This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby will be back on Monday. We continue the discussion about noise and sound since the month of May is Better Hearing and Speech Month. Hearing loss actually affects about 1 million Canadians who are living and coping with this challenge. In fact, hearing loss is the third most common chronic disability after high blood pressure and arthritis. But there are ways to cope and live well. Joining us for the half hour is Dr. Andre Marcoux, Vice President of Audiology at Signia. Dr. Marcoux, welcome to Fight Back. Hello, Jane. Thanks for having me. Let's talk first about the causes of hearing loss. Yeah, certainly. Um, we, we know from our surveys that um, the causes of hearing loss do vary. Um, the most common would be um, those who are exposed to, uh, to noise. So noise exposure can certainly uh, play a part in all of that. That would be the most common cause, followed by aging. Most people uh, above the age of 20 years old, so half of people over the age of 20, may have some form of of hearing loss. Um, So it's very insidious. It starts off very, um, very slowly. But with aging, we do see hearing loss creeping up. And then there can be other factors that are more medical, uh, ear infections. There can also be some congenital um, factors behind hearing loss. How do you know if you are putting your hearing at risk? And I'm assuming that's just too much loud noise too often. It certainly can be. So with noise, it's a question of dosage. So most people are aware of, well, if you listen to something that is too loud, that can cause some, some damage. But even for noise levels or for sound levels that are lower, if you listen to that sound long enough, it can also have the same impact on your hearing. So it's always a question of how loud is the actual sound or noise? uh, And then for how long are you listening to that noise? So someone, for example, in the workplace who's around continuous noise levels, uh, it is important there to to wear some hearing protection and to make sure that that they, they do uh, manage it and, and, and mitigate the, uh, the effects of that noise on their, on their hearing ability. Is that because, and I'm, I'm thinking of more of that constant sound, is that because it, it continues to be in the same range? So maybe that range of your hearing is affected as a result? The hearing organ is actually constructed in such a way where, you know, depending on the range that we're talking about, some of these sounds will sort of trample on these, what we call these hair cells that are contained within the, uh, what we call the cochlea or the hearing organ. So there are certain parts of the ear that are more vulnerable than others because they're sort of the, the, the entrance or the gateway to the rest of the ear. So um, without becoming too technical, um, different sounds uh, can have different impacts on the ear um, and and uh, certainly those who are exposed to these louder, more broadband sounds would be the ones that we would be most concerned about. I'm with Dr. Andre Marcoux, Vice President of Audiology at Signia. We will get into some of the, the solutions for living better with hearing loss. Uh, but I'd like to open up the phone lines for you if you're dealing with some hearing challenges yourself or you lived with, you live with someone, you have a loved one who has hearing loss and you're not exactly sure how to go about finding answers to improve quality of life. You can give us a call. Dr. Marcoux will take your calls. 416 416- Six three six zero zero seven forty toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. How do you protect your hearing as you age, doctor? What is the best way? I mean, once we become aware of our hearing, what is the best way to protect it? 
That's an excellent question. There's obviously uh, noise protectors that are out there. So for people who are exposed to loud levels of sound would want to have some some noise protection. And those are sometimes foam plugs or sometimes they can be more over-the-ear protection. Um, the other thing to do that's very important, we talk about protecting hearing. Uh, hearing is also uh, one of the, the most important inputs into the brain. Um, and as we lose our hearing, the brain has obviously less input. And so it's not just a matter of protecting hearing, but what I often encourage folks to consider is that they should be aware as to when hearing loss begins to manifest itself because they have to then be concerned as to, okay, if I have hearing loss, then I also have to potentially remedy that hearing loss to ensure my brain health, to make sure that my brain and my auditory system continue to receive the input necessary um, for me to, to for, for my cognition to, to be where it should be at 100%. Um, because one of the things that we may have a chance to talk about a little bit later is that hearing loss is one of the most well-known and documented risk factors to things such as cognitive decline. We have a caller that wants to ask you a question, Dr. Uh, Barbara in Midland is on the line. Go ahead, Barbara. Yes, I go to a doctor of audiology for my hearing test and my hearing aid. Now, she does not do anything if I have earwax in my ear. And uh, it's up to me to remove it myself. My understanding is when the Ford government came into power, they discontinued your doctor doing anything about that because it's not considered a medical problem. Dr. Marcoux? It's a great question, uh, and thank you for that. Uh, different audiologists will decide as to whether they want to... Um, to remove cerumen, so some may have the ability and um, and the training to do that, whereas some others may not. Uh, audiologists in Ontario are not permitted to bill OHIP directly, and therefore an audiologist would potentially charge a patient to remove their earwax. That being said, um, some medical doctors may or may not want to do that as well. Um, the fee structure for the removal of, of earwax has certainly changed over the years. Um, and that being said, uh, many patients can manage the removal of their own earwax depending on what the audiologist or the medical doctor may see in there. And so um, I would potentially... Uh, broach the topic and, and ask as to as to why they will not do that, and if it's a question of cost or if it's a question of of, of whether they have the, the correct equipment in the clinic. Um, there may be a few reasons as to why that's not being provided to you. Barbara, are you good, or do you have another question? Well, I was just wondering. The only thing I have used is since this has happened, and nobody seems to be helping me with this. I have bought a product at my pharmacy. It's Murine Earwax. Re- removal system, and I don't know if it's a good thing to be putting that in my ear or not. Okay, I'll let you go and and see what the doctor says about that. What about removal of earwax? We've gotten mixed messages about that. The, the, sometimes earwax, I mean, sometimes you can have very soft wax, you can have very hard wax. So depending on how much wax you have, the consistency of wax that you have inside your ear canal, the medical professional or the audiologist may decide on a, a, a more effective way of managing or removing that earwax. Sometimes it can be done very easily by the, the person, um, him or herself. Uh, with some of these um, over-the-counter um, solutions. Sometimes it, it requires manual extraction. Uh, and if manual extraction is required, you would need to ensure that you have or you are dealing with a professional who has the, you know, the proper training and also the proper equipment to manually removal, to, to manually remove earwax from your ear canals. Okay. Not something you necessarily want to do yourself without first 
consulting with the appropriate professional. Okay, thank you for that. This is Better Hearing and Speech Month. The month of May is Better Hearing and Speech Month, and I'm with Dr. Andre Marcoux, Vice President of Audiology at Signia, inviting you as well to call in if you have any questions about hearing loss or loved ones who have hearing loss and some of the challenges around that. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Dr. How has the pandemic played into hearing loss? I'm thinking about more Zoom calls and more sound all day long for a lot of people working at home. That's certainly one aspect of it. So we're being bombarded by by sound now through or with devices that are placed directly onto the ear. But one of the things that um, I'd like to discuss and and which may also have an impact is how we're listening uh, to, to speech. And so when we're going to the grocery store, when we're out and about, we now have to uh, oftentimes listen to people speaking through a mask. Mm-hmm. And that uh, has, in my opinion, has been the, 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 the number one burden of, of, of people um, during the pandemic is having to, to listen to people with speech. Most people that don't have hearing loss, so about 50% will, will uh, notice that even though their hearing is completely normal, that it's more difficult to, to hear and to understand someone speaking with a mask. People with hearing loss or that wear hearing aids, it becomes all the more difficult uh, because of their hearing impairment. And so um, Signia, for example, the, uh, the company that I represent has come out with a particular feature with their hearing aids called mask mode which makes it easier to quickly adjust your hearing aids to listen to people who are speaking through a mask. Oh, wow. Um, you can imagine that someone who is speaking through a mask, now the, the person listening. So, for example, Jane, consider yourself at the grocery store. Someone is speaking to you through a mask. Um, they're being, first of all, you don't have the visual cue, so you can't see their lips. You can't, you don't have access to that information. You're also being asked to distance, so now the the loudness of that speech is reduced or is lower. And then thirdly, the quality of that speech is impacted because of the fabric of the particular mask that they are wearing. So there are basically three strikes against people when they are trying to understand someone speaking with a mask. It, it, It becomes very difficult, and all the more difficult with or or. Uh, as experience uh, from people who have hearing loss, especially those that don't wear hearing aids or have not had their hearing loss corrected. Right. I, I mean, you bring about an excellent point when I think about speaking to somebody in a, a grocery store where there's that background muffly noise anyway. Uh, you know, I've thought on many occasions during the pandemic, not when we're hearing, we're also seeing the movement of the person's mouth and the way they form the words. And that helps us that helps us decipher what they're saying. Whereas with the mask, we have no additional clues to what they're saying beyond the auditory. That's absolutely correct. And so the, um, a good number of people re- will report that it's much more difficult understanding people simply due to the loss of that visual information. We will get uh, all of the contact information if you're interested in reaching out to Signia by the end of the show. So grab a piece of paper and a pencil, and we will provide that information to you if you're interested in in, uh, having some assistance with your hearing. Let's go to Mike in Toronto. Go ahead, Mike. You have a question for Dr. Marcoux. I do. Uh, I I lost about 80% of my hearing in my left ear by my own evaluation only. And uh, so it was tough because I I couldn't really locate where sounds were coming from anymore. And I was in the shower one day. I just decided I'm going to get hot water in my ear. And I can hear fine now. Oh, wow. So I guess the question is how how ought people at the age of 70, let's say, to, to look after their ears? In, in in terms of washing and so forth. Right. I mean, we did mention that a, a couple of minutes ago, but Dr. Marcoux, as a regular, you're in the shower. Some people like to clear out their sinuses in the shower. Is it similar with your ears? 
I, I would imagine that if there was something within the ear canal that the hot water may have had an impact then and there. But uh, one thing that I would encourage everyone to do is that when they do notice that they have hearing loss, uh, do consult with an audiologist or with your medical doctor to make sure that you have a full evaluation of your hearing ability. So they're able to inspect the ear canal to see if there's anything inside the ear canal that may impede sound and affect your ability to hear. They will test your, your ability to hear. They'll be able to determine potentially the cause of your hearing loss, whether it's due to aging, whether it's due to um, what we call noise-induced hearing loss, or due to noise, or potentially other factors. So I can't stress enough the importance of of getting your hearing checked. And everyone certainly over the age of, of 55 should have had a hearing test. And if they have not had one already, it's a very good idea to get that those baseline results. Okay. Uh, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, more about that, when you realize you're losing your hearing and when to know if you should visit an audiologist, the doctor is saying that it's uh, based on age as well, but we'll get more specifics and more of your phone calls as well. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby is off. She returns on Monday. Great to be with you as always. How noisy is your neighborhood? If you've noticed an increase in the amount of construction sound and at all times of the day, there is a good reason for that. What many Toronto residents might not know is that a recent provincial regulation has overridden the Toronto Noise Bylaw and allows for residential development construction activity between the hours of 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. seven days a week. And this provincial override is in effect through the summer until October 7th. The issue was brought to our attention by a colleague here at Zoomer Radio who lives in the Bathurst and Eglinton area, which he says has turned into a hotbed of construction to the point that they don't know if they'll be able to continue living there because of the noise, not to mention the dust. Does this resonate with you? If so, we'd like to hear your experience. Our phone lines are open, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Joining us now are two Toronto City councillors who are angry about this on behalf of their constituents. Josh Matlow represents Ward 12, Toronto St. Paul's, and Kristen Wong-Tam is councillor for Ward 13, Toronto Centre. Also on the line is Kathy McDonald with the Toronto Noise Coalition. Hello to you all. Hello to you all. Hello. Councillor Wong-Tam, how did this happen, this provincial override? Give us a little bit of of the recent history. Uh, Absolutely. Um, So last April the 7th, the Ontario government brought forward uh, new regulations, uh, which essentially extended the uh, the noise permitted from construction sites uh, by the hours you've just mentioned, 6 a.m. to 7 p- uh, 10 p.m., seven days a week. Um, and it's important to note that the City of Toronto had just passed a new strengthened noise uh, bylaw uh, to accommodate for the update of, of, of noise construction to to mitigate uh, impacts to residents and just to give people a, a quality of life that they deserve in the city. So we worked really hard to bring forward that new legislation, which actually strengthened the city's new spot, new bylaw. We hadn't done that in a number of years. The bylaw review began in 2013, and with a stroke of a pen at the beginning of the pandemic, the provincial government basically handed over everything uh, to the development uh, and uh, construction lobby, and uh, we haven't been able to get them to undo it or to listen to local residents ever since. Councillor Matlow, remind us of what the criteria of the noise bylaw, what it is in regular times. So in, in, in regular times, the city um, restricts uh, construction noise outside of the hours of 7 in the morning till 7 uh, in, in the evening during the weekdays, 9 in the morning till 7 on Saturdays. 
But then nothing on Saturdays and nothing on statutory holidays to give people a well-needed break. And uh, what the government has done, along with all the hours that you refer to, also allows it on statutory holidays. So in other words, as Kristen rightfully said, the, the development and construction industry lobby got everything that they have paid for for years uh, supporting this government. And, you know, it, it, didn't, it didn't go unnoticed by many of us that in the early days of the pandemic, virtually every sector of society was, was shut down in one shape or form. But the development industry uh, somehow was deemed so essential that the building condos were so essential that they were allowed not only permissions like no other, but in fact, they were given even more allowances, such as extended noise bylaws, under the pretense that we need to build hospitals, which sure, if you need to build a hospital, I, I get that. But they weren't building new hospitals in Toronto. They were building condos. And I think not only was that disingenuous, but at a time when everyone is asked to stay home and not only stay home, but take care of their physical and mental health to function while working, while having kids like, like my own family does and many do, like Kristen does uh, at home as well. Uh, it, it just, it was, it, I think it was such a slap in the face to residents who were doing their part to stay home and stay safe. So, Councillor Wong Tam, given that the the regulation to override was based on building hospitals, but that apparently is not happening, or at least in the majority of the cases, uh, doesn't it negate the override as a result? Fortunately not, because the language of the regu- uh, regulations is, is so loosely worded that it actually gives it full range. So they, they snuck in the words hospitals so that they, and long-term care facilities, because I think that they would recognize that we would agree that those are our critical infrastructure uh, bills that need to continue, but they actually allowed all construction noise to break the rules. And, uh, and the, the frustration here is that the city of Toronto has, on numerous occasions, I know that Josh has done it, I have done it, Councillor Cressy has done it, we've raised these issues uh, to city council. City council has voted to take a position and express our displeasure to the province, ask them to revoke the bylaw, to, to revoke the, the, the legislation and to work with us, um, and they have uh, responded to none of those requests. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the biggest slap in the face, to be quite honest, is to residents. Uh, residents who participate in the city's process to review our, our updated noise bylaw, to strengthen it, to give it uh, more uh, meaning and to make sure that we can actually enforce it. Those residents who've been working with us since 2013 to create that new noise bylaw have now seen all their hard work eroded. Um, and, and that's just really unfair because as, as Josh has rightly noted, uh, we've all, we're all staying home. We're making the hard sacrifices to keep everyone safe by, by, by following the stay at home work order. Um, and, uh, and, and unfortunately, uh, those of us who are staying at home are also living next to large construction sites. I've got two of them around my, my building. I live downtown Toronto and it's literally nonstop. Well, that was going to be my next question yeah. um, to Councillor Matlow. What areas of the city are we talking about where this construction noise is really overwhelming for residents? Well, I mean, it, it really uh, it really can affect uh, any part of the city anywhere, but certainly areas where uh, Kristen and I represent. Uh, she's in downtown. I'm in midtown Toronto, where there is so much development pressure. Um, uh, it has such an impact on 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 residents' life. Uh, you know, in fact, my own daughter, uh, uh, her school was interrupted recently uh, because her teacher literally could not work from home and had to uh, move locations uh, because she couldn't even hear herself teach. It's that bad for so many people. And I, I, I again, it, it just, you know, beyond the debate about development and if you like it or not or any of that, just reasonably and empathetically, at a time when everybody is being asked to stay home, not only to keep themselves safe, but to keep everybody else safe. It was just so uh, wrong of the government to then allow for increased construction noise at a time that just, you know, we all, we all need to be able to, you know, support each other through this. So, Councillor Wong Tam, what efforts have been made by Toronto City Council? You said you voted to urge the provincial government to retract this override. Are they literally at Queen's Park, uh, Doug Ford and his ministers, they're ignoring uh, all of your requests? 
that's what it appears to be, is that we haven't received any meaningful response. I, I would actually correct myself. We haven't received any response. Yes. Uh, personal communication that's come from myself, and I know other counselors have done the same, including Josh here. Uh, we've written to uh, to the different ministers. We've flagged this for our M- on my local MTP, who's not in government, and saying, you need to help us raise the profile of, of this matter that's really affecting the quality of life for our local residents. Um, and I know that, you know, Suze Morrison has done that. I know that Chris Glover has done it on the other side of me from uh, uh, Spadina, Fort York. Um, and it's literally everyone is being ignored. And the only the only people that the government seems to be listening to, and they seem to have their ear in, and they are getting everything that they want, is the development and condo um, uh, uh, industry. And, uh, and you know, the, the difficult part is, you know, we are in a pandemic. We want to be able to work collaboratively with, with all orders of government. I think that people in the city would, would expect us to do so. Um, and this issue actually is a major erosion of trust. Um, and so, you know, there is very little more we can do until this until this provincial government turns around. And I think, you know, residents have, get, get, have got to get really loud. They've got to be able to lobby different MPPs who actually sit in government and tell them that this is unacceptable. And it's not just affecting Toronto, of course. It's affecting all municipalities uh, across Ontario. So I, I'd like to hear from you. If you live in a neighborhood in the city of Toronto where there is construction going on, residential development of condos, what is that like between six in the morning and 10 at night, hearing this noise constantly, the dust? We want to hear firsthand what that experience is like. 416-360-0740, toll free, 1-866-744-740. Uh, Councillor Wong Tam, before I go to Kathy McDonald, Donald with Toronto Noise Coalition. Maybe you could describe for us what you're hearing uh, outside of your home. Um, I'm hearing uh, right now, uh, I mean, we, we finished the demolition work, so that's, that's good because that was really, really heavy construction. Uh, you may hear right now just some trucks backing up. Uh, I'm on the 18th floor and my windows are entirely shut. And you can still hear that that little piercing sound penetrate. Um, but outside of that, there's the the concrete cutting. Uh, when the concrete is being poured, it has to be a contiguous pour, which means that it could go on for hours. Uh, when the jackhammers are going, when they're trying to sh- shave the uh, 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 shave the uh, the concrete or any type of rebar, uh, it is really really uh, loud. And because we're in the downtown, I live in a, you know we're, we're in vertical communities. That sound just reverberates, and unfortunately, it's not just one elevation or one side of my apartment. I have it on two sides of my, my apartment. And uh, and like a lot of folks, you know, I have a young child, yes. I have a two-year-old toddler, and uh, and he has not been able to live without any construction noise his entire existence. Well, that's All what I, I, was, I, was going to, I was going to ask you that, because I know you've had your son out at public events and so on. Um, so uh, how, how has that been when a little one is trying to sleep and the outside construction wakes him up? Um, I would say it's very difficult uh, because the construction begins at 6 a.m. I mean, I, I'm up, but he doesn't necessarily have to be up. Um, but he gets up early because the construction noise is there waking him up. Um, and in the evening time, we've recently had a different problem. Uh, yes, we still have construction noise, but now we have the additional burden of, of drag racing and motorcycles that have been modified where their baffles have been removed, and I've got street racing up and down the street. Um, all of these things are actually within provincial control, and the hard part is that we have a province who doesn't seem to prioritize the quality of life for residents when it comes to noise impacts. I'm joined here by Councillor Kristen Wong-Tam as well as Councillor Josh Matlow. It's Jane for Libby on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. And Kathy McDonald now with the Toronto Noise Coalition. Kathy, how does noise, this type of noise, affect our mental and physical well-being? Yeah, so thank you for having me on. So the Noise Coalition was established to provide a voice for residents in developing the new uh, regulations uh, for noise in the city, and are we certainly strengthen noise around uh, construction? And there were various um, uh, measures added and strengthened uh, uh, to protect uh, people living and working nearby. So, with the um, the Noise Coalition website, um, people can um, write in with their issues and. Um, you know, starting um, a year ago, April, when the new provincial regulations came in, 
uh, we um, certainly saw a huge spike in uh, complaints about um, uh, how the noise was interfering with uh, uh, people's lives as they were trying to work at home, etc. So the examples that have already been um, uh, uh, mentioned, and um, you know, people are were really uh, frustrated and angry. Uh, to hear that there was really nothing. It was just a provincial initiative, and and the the, the city was, uh, and and the and the province was ignoring the city's request to to um, uh, undo those regulations. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, you know, people all um, all across the city were writing in with complaints about um, the sort of disruption to their lives, and they were certainly angry and, and stressed out and saying, help, what can we do? And um, sort of, I guess, my role in that was to uh, say, make sure your counselor knows um, and that there's really nothing that the city can do. Um but Kathy, it seems like uh, the counselors are certainly aware, well aware of the issue. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it, there needs to be some sort of response, at least uh, out of politeness, from Queens Park to, to this issue that's literally affecting millions of people. Oh, absolutely! And uh, this whole um, uh, uh, provincial action is, um, you know, like it's one of many that are disrupting people's lives across the province. Okay, I want to go to the phones, and again, the numbers four one six three six zero zero seven forty toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Off the top of the show, I mentioned my colleague here at Zoomer Radio who brought the issue to our attention. Justin Eacock is on the line. Justin, thanks for calling in. Hi, Jane. Long-time producer, first-time caller. <laughs> That's right. There you go. There's the bell. Uh, Justin, tell us what life is like there at Bathurst and Eglinton. Yes, I'm a, I'm in the ward right next to Josh uh, with Mike Cole's ward, and uh, the building right next door, we can see it from my bedroom window, it was demolished right at the end of 2019. And ironically, the demolishing was the quieter part uh, now as we're getting into the summer here. Um, when we were shook and awake at 6 in the morning on Tuesday, and that was around the time I think I emailed Zeev going, we just called 311 to ask what the heck was going on because we've been used to the construction during the day, but this was 6 in the morning. The sun had just risen, and uh, we were told the, mm-hmm. they had their permit extended. There was nothing that could be done about it. And the feeling of helplessness when you hear something like that, that there's nothing you can do. You're just going to have to deal with it, and you're supposed to still be staying at home during all of this. And, and, and Justin, it's it's my understanding that you're even considering leaving your home as a result. We, I mean, we're looking at another year of 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. construction outside our bedroom, and my partner works overnight and has to sleep during the day, so it's already been tough enough. And working from home, I have to keep the windows closed now as we're getting into the summer because it's so noisy. I can't hear the audio I'm supposed to be editing. And yeah, we we, we look at each other and we go, do we want to stick through this? Right. Is this worth it? Right. Uh, or like another year or more? We don't know how long this building is going to take to be built. Okay. Uh, well, it, let me ask this livable. question. Let me ask this question of Councillor Matlow. What is, uh, was my understanding, October 7th is the end date for this override, <laughs> but um, Justin's referencing another year. Well, well I, mean, I was that, just mentioning how long the construction site is going to be. I didn't oh, know oh, about I see, the I see. permit extension. Okay, hang on for a sec. So, Councillor <laughs> Matlow, what, what, is the, what is the situation so, with, uh, with the so, legislation? Yeah, that, so that, 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 that is ostensibly the sunset. However, what we have found uh, over and over again is that when this government in particular has made changes to favor the development industry, mm-hmm. and this isn't a show for it, but if, if you wanted to dedicate an entire show, uh, both Kristen and I could give you a long list of different policies and legislation that they've changed directly in response to the lobby from the industry. Uh, then uh, you will see that rarely do those things uh, turn back in time. So I, I hope that this sun sets uh, in October, and I hope that, that, that things change. Uh, but, but the very fact uh, that this government keeps just uh, 
coming into Toronto and unilaterally changing the rules to benefit their friends rather than to benefit the people who they say they represent. Uh, there's something fundamentally wrong about that. So I think the more people raise their voices, as Kristen said, the more people, uh, you know, become you know, louder than the development and, and make it clear to the government that this is unacceptable, the less ability they have to just quietly extend this. They need to repeal it, and I wish that they would do it today. I have a question about that, but I just, Justin, um, thank you for bringing the attention to the Zoomer radio listeners, uh, to the issue, to the attention of our listeners. Do you have any final thoughts before I move on here? No, I mean, uh, uh, the the sounds that uh, Councillor Kristen mentioned are exactly the kind of sounds I have to listen to every day. Uh, It has just been another example of how tough it has been, especially for renters, people who live in apartments, and how different our lives have been during the pandemic, where we we don't have outdoor spaces, we don't have backyards, and now we don't even have peace and quiet inside our own home. It has really been a very different 15 months for for people in my situation compared to uh, those who who have been fortunate enough to live in quieter neighborhoods. And uh, it's just... I'm getting really tired of the province continually telling Toronto how to run their own city. Uh, I I wish we we had more of a say in in how our own city could operate. Well, I thank you very much, Justin, uh, again for the issue, and I'll see you when you come in on your one day a week on Friday. I will. Thanks a lot. Okay. Um, So, Councillor Wong Tam, how can you make the bylaw, or here's, okay, here's the question, um, on October 7th, when this legislation from the province comes to an end, is there a way to make the bylaw, the noise bylaw, more ironclad so that it can be, uh, so it has an override to any provincial legislation? Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's an excellent question, Jane, and I, I don't think so. I think that city bylaws can always be overridden um, by uh, the province. There may be some delegated matters that perhaps are still within the purview of the city, such as controlling what happens on sidewalks and roads. Uh, but we do sit under a provincial framework. Uh, I would say that I'm I'm actually really nervous. I, I will honestly admit that I don't have any faith in this government rescinding the bylaw in October. I think that it has served the development and condominium industry extremely well. I'm very nervous that that bylaw will sit on the books. uh, Sorry, their their regulations will sit on the books and continue to override um, city noise bylaws and other uh, other provisions that they've overridden. Um, And uh, and because they have a demonstrated track record, a proof of of legacy work that has always um, uh, has always benefited big business uh, and in particular the, the development industry. Whether it's their their rampant issuing of ministerial zoning orders, overriding local planning, or the fact that the first thing that this government did when they came into power was to rip up two secondary plans that the city of Toronto had been working on, Teal Core for the downtown, midtown, and focus um, where Josh represents, uh, they have consistently done this, and I'm just I don't see it to be quite honest. I don't see us. I don't see them reverting back uh, in in October. Let's go even to, when the state of emergency is lifted. Let's go to Pat in Toronto. Pat, share with us uh, your experience or well, point of view. Well, my experience is slightly different, and that was with regard to a noise bylaw on a lake up in Muskoka. And I was on council, and there was great concern about putting in this noise bylaw. And uh, it had $500 fines if people were making too much noise. Mm-hmm. You know, all we had to do was put the bylaw in place, and the noise stopped immediately. Um, but I would comment that we have to do something about what the Ford government is doing. Uh, the environment, he is tearing the environment apart, and I've been part of a, a lawsuit which was heard, and we haven't had the decision yet, where they are simply ignoring any public input with regard to environmental concerns. You know, further to that comment that our former mayor was talking about with regard to uh, uh, the highway. So uh, I think that's going to be a serious issue in the next uh, provincial election, or it should be. Okay, uh, thank you very much for your call, Pat. Yeah. Uh, in the interest of time, I'm going to move on to Ed in Burlington. Go ahead, Ed. Yes, uh, I have a, an issue with the, with the noise. My neighbor is a builder, a landscaper, and he has a, a, a not a very huge caterpillar, but sometimes he has to move them in and out. I call the city by law. And they told me that because it's not that high, it's allowed to be here. So they move in and out with all this equipment. The contractors come in and out. 
And uh, in the morning, he warms up his car, his truck, big diesel truck, from his kitchen. Yeah. And it oh. stays on for half an hour. I reported this one today. Okay, thank you, Ed, for calling in. Councillor Matlow, is this um, yeah. specific to Toronto, or, you know, we're getting a call from Burlington about a similar situation? <laughs> to, to my knowledge, this is specific to Toronto. You know, uh, Doug Ford seems to hold us close to his heart, uh, whether it be the 2018 election uh, and, ma- and many other uh, orders, uh, including recent uh, MZOs here in Toronto, although other jurisdictions have not been uh, not, uh, have not been, uh, you know, off his radar as well. You know, when it, when it comes down to it, uh, and Kristen said this so well, um, everything that this government has done when it comes to Toronto has been in the interest of the development industry. And everything that they've done has never been repealed or overturned or pulled back. But there is a history that the Ford government, when there has been enough public pushback, we've seen that in recent days with some of their pandemic responses, they will capitulate if they hear from enough people that it is unacceptable. And in other words, it's not in their political interest to proceed. And that's why I just want to echo Kristen, uh, and we can't reiterate this enough. The more that Torontonians contact their MPP, and in particular, if they have a conservative MPP or if they contact uh, the Minister of Municipal Affairs and the Premier and say, get rid of these new noise bylaws, return Toronto's control, uh, it will make such a difference. But they won't do it if they don't hear from people. Right. Well, we will leave it there. I thank you all for your time. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Jane. Josh Matlow represents Ward 12, Toronto St. Paul's. Kristen Wong-Tam is counselor for Ward 13, Toronto Centre. And Kathy McDonald is with Toronto Noise Coalition. And by the way, you can call in on this if you didn't get through during Free For All Friday tomorrow. Jane for Libby, still to come. We're going to continue a discussion on sound, but this time with a focus on improving hearing and speech. If you've become hearing challenged, there may be hope to improve your quality of life. That's next. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby returns on Monday. We're continuing our discussion about noise and sound and hearing loss. The month of May is Better Hearing and Speech Month. And with us here on Fight Back is Dr. Andre Marcoux, Vice President of Audiology at Signia. Doctor, what are the signs and symptoms of hearing loss when you know that you should be booking an appointment with an audiologist? That is a, uh, it's an excellent question and one that requires a very sort of thorough uh, answer explanation. The one thing I should stress the most is that in in many cases, hearing loss can manifest itself without the person even knowing. It is so gradual sometimes and, uh, and so insidious that one should get a hearing test um, or should get a routine hearing test. Um, personal anecdote, this is how I discovered that I had hearing loss. Obviously, I'm in the field, so I had access to uh, to someone, one of my colleagues, testing my hearing. But I was, I was not showing any real signs that I had hearing loss. But lo and behold, my audiogram did show that I had a high-frequency hearing loss in both ears. Some of that might be due somewhat to a little bit of aging and also a little bit of, of, uh, of noise exposure. But no one in my surrounding would have noticed that I had hearing loss. With time, however, um, I am showing some of the more typical signs that people should look out for, which are um, oftentimes asking to repeat uh, television, for example, or, or conversations in quiet, just asking once in a while, could you repeat or what did they say? This is all the more obvious when there's a little bit of background noise. So if you add a little bit of competing sound or a competing noise, that's when it becomes uh, much more obvious that we're not completely understanding what someone is saying. And we will ask all the more often for uh, for someone to, to repeat themselves. Another sign is 
potentially ringing in the ear, uh, which we call tinnitus, or some people pronounce it tinnitus, uh, which can oftentimes accompany hearing loss. So while we may have ringing in the ears without any hearing loss whatsoever, many times that ringing is accompanied by hearing loss. And uh, this is oftentimes the, 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 the reason why people consult. They'll go in and consult their audiologist or their, their medical doctor because they have ringing. And then they will discover after the fact that this is uh, accompanied by hearing loss. But I have to stress the importance of getting a hearing test uh, on a routine basis, even though you may not be sh- displaying or showing these typical signs that are uh, that are that are common or, or with hearing loss. Now, do you need to be referred by your family doctor, or can you just reach out uh, to Signia directly? Um, you can reach out to Signia directly, but it's also you can reach out to uh, to a hearing clinic, um, and some of them may offer hearing tests that are free of charge. Some may uh, have a, a nominal fee to get a hearing test. That's certainly uh, one way and probably the easiest way to, to go about it. So just open up the, the phone book or go on the internet or go to signia.net, which is our website, and look for one of our partner clinics. Give them a call and ask the question as to how to go about getting that hearing test. Okay, and what what to expect when you go for a, a hearing appointment with an audiologist? What will happen at the appointment? The there's there's going to be a case history, so the audiologist will take a case, case history, um, ask you a little bit about um, what you've been noticing. If you've had any experiences with the ringing, any infections when you were a child, for example, um, etc. And then there will be an examination of your ear canals to make sure that the ear canals are, are free of obstructions. They'll also take a look at the eardrum to see if there's any conditions at that level. Uh, once that is done, they'll typically uh, also do a pressure test to see how well the eardrums are moving. And then that will be followed by what we call, um, uh, what we oftentimes refer to as the hearing test uh, or audiometry. So you'll be asked to, you know, to click on a button each time you hear a sound and the audiologist will be trying to determine the softest levels of sound that, that you can hear. You'll then be asked to repeat some, some speech, words, sometimes sentences and quiet, sometimes in noise. So it's a very thorough assessment. And after that is done, your results will be communicated to you, potentially with an explanation as to why you may have hearing loss. Um, And the audiologist will typically follow that up with some recommendations as to what to do um, to, um, to correct your hearing loss. But as I mentioned earlier in your show, to also ensure that there is that that healthy input of of sound into the brain, uh, to ensure that um, the the person with hearing loss does not develop things like cognitive decline. It's not to say that you will develop cognitive decline, but certainly hearing loss is a well known factor with respect to. To cognitive decline. Now, what are uh, some of what are some of the options when it comes to hearing aids, and how expensive are these hearing aids? The the uh, with respect to hearing aids, so that is the the most common form of treatment for hearing loss. So amplification, we want to take those soft sounds that people can no longer hear because they're hearing loss and make them audible. Um, there's a variety of options, people typically have formed an opinion as to what hearing aids look like, uh, because we've seen them for decades now. That being said, I do invite you to go on Signia.net. We know or have known for also decades that one of the reasons that people do not adopt hearing aids is because uh, of, of the way they look. People feel um, embarrassed potentially to wear hearing aids. They don't feel like they look very good, uh, but a lot of that has changed. Hearing aids now look a lot more like consumer electronics, so we've taken the stigma away from from hearing aids and made the devices look a lot more like what younger people are are wearing, earbuds, uh, consumer electronics. Um, and so there's, there's a variety of options available for folks with hearing loss. Uh, from a more traditional-looking device to something that is much more 
modern. In terms of price points, it does vary quite a bit. Um, some are, are much more affordable, and you can have some that are, are more costly. Generally speaking, the more costly devices are there to provide more performance in complex listening situations. So if you're someone who is very active, you solicit uh, or, or often attend um, gatherings, you're in, in cafes, in restaurants, you will likely want to consider a hearing aid or a device that is going to be able to handle these more challenging listening environments, in which case you will be looking at a price tag that is that is slightly higher than devices that um, are meant to to be um, strictly used to to handle more common, more quiet listening situations. Dr. Marcoux, we've had all kinds of people call in to ask questions. I am going to refer them to you at the end of the show, but let's take one here anyway. Joe in Mono, Ontario, you have a question. Thank you, Jane. Um, uh, my son is um, 35 now. He's um, When he was our firstborn, um, he was born premature, six weeks. Also, um, at, at, uh, at birth, he uh, came out with his umbilical cord wrapped around his, um, around his neck. And I wanted to ask if there's ever been any uh, link to um, that that could possibly cause being premature or having that type of trauma. Uh, being born. Okay. Thank you, Doctor. Okay, thanks for calling in, Joe. Uh, just about a minute for that answer, Doctor. Without going into any of the specifics and without knowing all of the details on, on your son's case, all I can mention is that the uh, the cochlea, the hearing organ, is, is very sensitive to deprivation of oxygen. So it may have had a role to play in your son's hearing loss, but impossible for me to to tell uh, with with that level of information what I do encourage you to to keep seeking is 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 professional advice uh, from from those who are most knowledgeable so audiologists and uh, and medical professionals okay we I wish we could get to everybody here but um, we can give out your contact information for those who'd like to follow up on hearing loss and hearing challenges if you could provide that for us Absolutely. So I do encourage you to visit our website, signia.net, and from there, uh, go to the Canadian section, and um, um, questions can be, can be sent that way. And doctor, for those who do not have uh, access to internet? Um, the, the, the main Signia line as well, um, there are toll-free number. I don't have it at hand, uh, Jane, but um, uh, an easy Google search will We'll have that pop up, and um, and we we do have um, we do have the ability to we do have voicemail and the ability to field some questions that way, and um, and happy to to take those questions from our listeners. Okay, well, this has been very interesting. Thank you so much for all of the information and uh, for helping us understand more about what we can do when we have hearing loss. Especially, you're very welcome, and thanks again for having me especially during this month of May, Better Hearing and Speech Month. Dr. Andre Marcoux, Vice President of Audiology at Signia, signia.net. Jane for Libby, I will be here tomorrow for Free for All Friday. I will look forward to your calls then. More of the original greatest hits coming up after Bob Comsix News. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.